Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Am I on the air now? You sure are. Okay. Welcome, everybody, to In Much Less Detail, the podcast on live on a Tuesday night, September the 27, 2017. I'm Dre, he's Jay, and I'm pissed off because I don't know what's going on. So we had connection issues the last show. We've had connection issues tonight, and it was all of a sudden that I couldn't hear anything uh, right when we were going on the air. I was hearing everything leading up to that last minute when I clicked you through, Jason, and then I couldn't hear anything at all. And heard I saw the show start, but I couldn't hear it. Uh, some message came up on my computer that said that I was running low on disk space, which makes no sense at all because I'm on a laptop with a ton of memory free. and I have no idea what's going on. So here I am on the phone line once again. Too much porn. Yeah, well, I I was trying not to save it all, but, you know, some of those scenes are just so good. Uh, <laughs> couldn't help myself. No, I don't I don't have any idea what's going on. So it's, I thought last issue, uh, last week, last show was a uh, Internet issue. We had an Internet outage that I discovered only after uh, – uh, we got disconnected, and but this was the, the, a similar issue where I couldn't hear you even though you were punched up, and then I couldn't hear anything at all because I saw the show start. There's a, you know, when the show starts, you hear the theme music, you hear the lady say, you know, the counting us down in our ear. The there's a, you know, there's a prompt that counts you down in your ear when you're when you're on the show and you're hosting the show, and I didn't hear any of that, so I, I was just sitting here panicking like. I'm watching the show start. It says on air on my screen, but I don't hear a thing. So I was just, so I, I did indeed have to uh, go to the uh, to the telephone here. But but I'm here. I made it, and not 20 minutes after we we first got cut off like last show. So that's good. No, we were able to adapt to this on the fly tonight. I'm going to go with it's the Russians. It's always the Russians. Blaine. It's the, the Russians. Russians. No, Every, the, the, everything's the, the Russians. Koreans. That that's a very strong possibility too. I didn't see that part of the world lit up on the heat map for uh, listens to our show. 
So it's very possible that, you know, no, no way for no better way for uh, North Korea to, to get after us than to take out a podcast talking about American football. We're too big. We are just so big now. They got to come attack America by yeah. taking down in much less detail. Well, damn it, we won't let it happen. We are here and we are strong no matter what. Uh, I'm doing very strong in my picks. Uh, I will get the bragging out of the way early. 12-3-1 this week, following up the 14-2 last week. I'm not going to front. This is, like, by a mile, the hottest two-week stretch I've ever had, no doubt about it. Um, uh, get on while you can. Get it while it's hot. Uh, all those cliches, because I don't know how long I'm going to stay this hot, but when you talk about 32-12-3, and three, after three weeks, uh, 727 percentage, that is scorching high, and that's all against the spread. No straight-up bullshit here. It's all point spreads. Uh, and and I, what can I say? I'm, I'm really getting it done. Uh, Jason did get uh, one game head-to-head against me this week. He didn't get shut out like he did in week two. But uh, on the whole, still only 7-8-1 for you this week. But Again, seven and eight is not bad. It's just put up against a twelve and three. It looks pretty paltry, but you're not that far off. You are twenty, twenty-four and three on the year. Um, these hot two weeks I've had, I'm still only twelve games ahead of you for the season, and you can easily make that up and, and catch me by the end of the year really easily. Well, and here's the thing: one of us is doing what we expect to do. And so the other one is the, the other one. Yeah. Yeah. The other, one of these is not like the other. And that would be what you're doing right now. Uh, yeah. yeah. This, this reminds me of usually this is sort of my mid season stretch that you're going through right now. Cause it seems like I go through that stretch every year when we have all the bye weeks where I'm putting up like 10 and two, you know, yeah. like nine and three, 10 and two. You're, you're having that stretch right now. Um, but yeah, good for you. I, I I obviously don't expect you to keep it up because as you always point out on this show, you have the massive ego, which will be your downfall. So I'm completely <laughs> expecting that. I don't expect me to keep it up. Come on. No, nobody nobody keeps up that winning percentage. So yeah, I'm sitting I'm I'm sitting around five hundred after three weeks. I'm perfectly fine with that. It's not like I'm sitting at a you know, a 345 win percentage, and I'm I'm, I'm at the Mariotti line here. Oh, no. So, you're, yeah, you're 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 having a great run. It will even out. Um, yeah, not too far off of where we were at this point last year. And you know, even even when something because you ran out that huge first week, very very similar to what I did to you in the first week of the podcast, uh, our first year. That's right. So. It's not none of this is uncharted territory. I'm not sitting here thinking, oh, I should just give it up. I don't know how to pick games anymore. Oh, I, you know, and and as it would be, as you've had for the last few seasons, the any of the ones that are close to the spread all are going your way. That's all going to come back at some point. You do know that. That's right. Oh so, yeah, I'm I'm aware of it. So you will. <laughs> you are overdue for uh, some major hook action. And one point action, uh, you know, you have a you have a what looks like a defeat turn into a victory um, in that Atlanta Detroit game because the 
shin of the player <laughs> might have been down. I, I'm still not 100% convinced that he was down, though. Everybody says it was the right call. He was down. I, I watched the replay very closely, yeah. like everyone else. And, yeah, he was down. Yeah, I, I finally got to see a, a screen cap of the moment where his shin grazed the turf. And, yeah, so if you look at where the ball is, it's about a foot short. Where his shin grazed the turf while a defender barely yeah, grazed his, his jersey. Exactly. To rule him down by contact. And yes. by the hair on the, their chinny-chin-chin, the Falcons escaped Detroit with a victory. But yeah, if, we're going, crazy. if we are going to talk about, as we always talk about, if you're going use the technology. We talk about this with baseball. Football, use the technology. And it was the right call. It was the right call. It was strange about the 10-second runoff after that, though, because, you know, if they rule him down immediately like they should have, and Atlanta can get up there and clock the thing, they, sh- they should have time to run another play. But because of the clock stopping, with, what did they, they ruled it a touchdown yeah. initially, yeah. and so they have to go review it, and right. there's eight seconds left at that point when they stop the clock and go review it. And they say that Upon further review, we need further review. No, they say upon review that the runner was indeed down by contact. And because there was a running clock when this play occurred and the clock right. got stopped because of the touchdown, there is something written into the rules about, I don't know, five and a half minutes ago that says there must now be a 10-second runoff. Therefore, the game is now over, and, and, and Detroit does not get any chance whatsoever to get that touchdown that they needed to win the game. And it's like, huh? Well, so, you know, at that point, I'm okay with that because what the competition committee, this was, I want to say, 2014, or so this was in the last few years that they came up with this rule. The point being that in the past, because there was a challenge, it would have given the teams basically time to set up, and then once the ball would be placed and the and the ref would back out would be when the clock would start, which means that the team could just snap the ball right away. What they're mm-hmm. saying is, no, he was down while the clock was running, and it's going to take you know X amount of time for them to line up. And it, so they came up with 10 seconds. It, you know, and that's not too far from reality. You have everybody in motion. Everybody runs up. Everybody gets out into position. Um, ref's got to set the ball. That all, they figured out 10 seconds. I was fine with that part. Well, I would have thought that you would be the one livid and, and cussing about that, uh, although I, it, it wasn't against your team. So maybe if it, if it was Detroit on the on the lead and Atlanta getting screwed by this 10-second call, you might have had a different reaction to that. It, well, I still would have won the pick. So I was I, – I, either way, I either would have won the right. pick or my team would have won the game. Right, yeah. But I I can imagine why Lions fans are livid at that call. Yeah. But at the same time, I see your point that it is it does seem fair to automatically say ten seconds. Possibly, probably could have ran off before they could have uh, snapped them off. Right. But you don't to give them don't the chance, give to not get the chance. Yeah. You don't want to give the team though an advantage. What they, I mean, they can't go back on the replay and then look and go, okay, everybody get back where you were when he was down. It will yeah, start the clock. 
everybody freeze right here. Yeah. And now I'm going to place the ball and go. You know? Right. And see how, see how long it takes you all to, yeah, you can play the Benny Hill music and everybody's just running around, you know. <laughs> Chinese car drill. Or can I say that anymore? Um, oh, I, I don't oh, know. oh, you did it now. I'm I'm sorry. I, I did. That, that was very insensitive of me. Um, I don't know. I, I had a different music when I was seeing that because I wasn't really aware of that rule. It was pretty obscure. Um, I, I saw that happen, and I'm thinking, let's see, Atlanta minus three. Uh, they're up by four when this happens. There's no time to, to make another play. But that's that. That's kind of feels like the refs maybe had some some money sticking out of their pocket and maybe a, a twin referee situation, you know, just. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It kind of smelled funny to me, but uh, I guess if if you say that it's something easy to understand, and I guess it's, I guess I can understand it. Yeah. So. I didn't have a problem with it. My team, my team got a victory. Yeah, I lost the pick. I didn't actually realize until I, I, I wasn't at that point where I knew what had happened. I just saw that Atlanta won 30-26. Uh, and then when I saw the highlight, I was like, what? And I had to see it over and over. It took forever for me to finally realize and until I finally actually got to see a a still image of the guy's shin on the ground with the finger lightly touching his shoulder. <laughs> so that's why I'm stunned that they figured that out on the replay in New York that fast. You know, if the referees on the field would have been charged with figuring that out, they may well have fucked that up and not seen yes. that. Yeah, because I think that was in New York where it's more centralized and they're in a, a calmer atmosphere, able yeah. to really freeze everything. They're the ones in control of the video. Uh, they're the ones in control of the, the angles and how far you can zoom the pictures in or whatever. So I, I'm definitely happy that New York is making those calls and not the guys on the field because the guys on the field, uh, that's that's a recipe for, for having something happen like the, uh, the, the fail Mary where the guy is clearly does not deserve a touchdown, but the referees decide, yeah, yeah, he, he got it. He, he had possession, even though the other guy clearly had possession of the defender. Um, I'm glad it's uh, being centralized in New York now. Yes, and they got it right. And, you know, immediately the guys you could see on the replay, the the guys in the booth went to the guy who's their sort of their ref consultant, and he nailed it. He's like, yeah, I think he's down. I was like, oh, I don't see it. (laughs) Okay. He's down. I'm thinking we play a little hot or not tonight where after three weeks we kind of look at some of these teams and decide, eh, maybe not so hot as, as their record indicates, or eh, maybe this team, you know, two and one, but maybe they got a little more in them than we think. Um, your Falcons are three and oh, there's only two teams that are still undefeated at this yeah. point. They could have easily lost to the Chicago bears. Sure. They could have easily lost to the Detroit lions. So the 3-0 and Atlanta Falcons escaping by their fingernails a couple of times. What do you say about them, hot or not? Is this 3-0 and legit? Yeah, I'm going to go with hot uh, just from the standpoint that they won those games on the road. And no matter what, hey, what, what, did you, what was your mantra after week one? You know, you can only beat who you're, you're – you can only beat who's on the other – in the field opposite. You can only play Hello? one game at a time. You, gotta, you right. play to win the game. So they did it. 
They won the game three times. They are the defending NFC champs. Um, I am going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say hot. I'm going to concur because there are, by comparison, some teams that have very, very clear holes in their team format, whether it's the secondary pass defense, whether it's the pass rush, whether it's the blocking, the the offensive line or whatever. And the Falcons, despite having two games which they could have easily lost, I really don't see an obvious hole in the Falcons right now. The, the, the hole that made me pick them not, uh, made me say that they wouldn't repeat their NFC championship this season was that I just, I just thought the offense in general would have a more of a collapse going from Kyle Shanahan leaving and going down to Steve Sarkeesian, but that's not happened. The offense does not, I'm not going to say they haven't missed a beat, but they are rolling along. The offense is not a hole. It's not a problem. Uh, even though Julio Jones hasn't gotten off yet, I think that's, more of a function of defenses are trying to make sure he doesn't get off and really rolling their coverage to, to make sure that he's not open or, or even has a chance to make a catch. So uh, Matty, I so far is doing a nice job of adjusting to and getting the ball to the other targets, Mohamed Sanu and the running backs out of the backfield. Taylor Gabriel got on the board with a touchdown against the Lions. Uh, they're, they're, they're rolling right along. They're, uh, they're impressive in, in a, they're, they're, you know they're not winning by 45 points, but they're, they're still impressive in their own way, and they look like a really really solid team. I think Dan Quinn has got a, a perfect demeanor for that team. Has really got them steady. Uh, they don't seem to get too up or too down. Uh, and yeah, I definitely think the Falcons are, are hot, and they've earned that three and zero, even though they could have lost both games. Yeah, we're, we were worried about the decline of that Falcons passing game, switching from. Kyle Shanahan to uh, Sarkeesian, and yeah, it happened. They're only third in the league in yards per attempt now at 9.3. Oh, Those oh bums, terrible. Just bum. horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we marveled last year at Matt Ryan continually in that 9 to 11 range all year. Um, and yeah, there it is again, 9.3 yards per attempt. They're only behind the Patriots at number two, and the Rams at number one. Ah, you took a, a sort of a trivia question for me. I was going to ask you who's leading the league in yards yeah. per pass attempt right now. It's, and the, it was it's gonna... Jared Goff, our whipping <laughs> yeah. boy. The whipping uh-huh. boy. I fell out the chair when I saw yeah. that. I could not believe the Rams now, were leading the league in pass in yards per attempt. Now, Will they be there three weeks from now or one week? Uh, no. <laughs> no. It's an easy answer, no. Uh, Very so, unlikely, no. Yes. So so, so we'll see. There's some, you know, we're only three weeks in, So, and, and you look at it, and there's some there's some numbers that, that jump out, especially that's your favorite stat in that yards per attempt when you see the, 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 the two teams after Atlanta are the Chiefs and the Vikings. What? Traditionally, not teams that you would expect to see uh, high in that category. But I guess that leads us to the other three and O team, then the uh, the Kansas the City Kansas Chiefs. Kansas City so, Chiefs. What do, What do you think? Uh, I'll let you go first on this one. Do you have them hot or not? I can't help. I can't help but have them hot because of yeah. the playmakers and the and the fact that they've 
sort of revolutionized the offense, and that's a very strong term, but Alex Smith is playing his ass off. He's getting the ball to these targets, to these weapons, specifically the one weapon, the rookie out of the backfield, Kareem Hunt. That young man is the first player ever, ever in the history of football to put together 50-yard touchdown plays from scrimmage in each of the first three games to start his career. Think about the explosive athletes in the history of the National Football League, and nobody put together a play of 50 yards from scrimmage in each of their first three games, but this man, Kareem Hunt, has done it. So you add that to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and the the sort of underrated, unsung rest of, of the offense uh, that the Chiefs have. And I'm still under the impression that Alex Smith got a fire lit under his ass from watching his position get drafted first overall uh, by the Kansas City Chiefs. Not, well, not first overall, but the first overall pick of the Chiefs in the draft was a quarterback at his position, and they moved up in the draft to get him. And I really think that did something to, to Alex Smith. He's playing fantastic football. Uh I talked about last year, I remember how much I hyped up Alex Smith uh, because I thought that he was going to have a special year last year, uh, just going off of what he had done the year before and looking like he was being more comfortable, fitting in more comfortably with uh, Andy Reid's offense in Kansas City. And I said something about, hey, a veteran that has been in a bunch of different systems before that was in San Francisco with different coaches. Now, here he is in Kansas City with the same coach, with the same system. After a few years, it starts to click sometimes for guys like that, and he winds up having a career year. Looks like I was a year off. Looks like this year is going to be the Alex Smith career year. Uh, and the defense, the, the one thing I worry about, of course, would be how much is eventually are they, are they going to miss Eric Berry's playmaking in the defensive backfield. Uh, it's going to come up somewhere along the way where they give up, sorry, giving up some bigger yardage uh, and some bigger plays because Eric Berry, Eric Berry wasn't there. Somebody was there uh, in his place that didn't make the play that Eric Berry would have made. So they're going to miss him eventually, but so far not yet. Uh, but so right now I can't help but say Kansas City Chiefs are hot. Yeah, I absolutely concur. You generally don't get to 3-0 and through sheer luck. I mean, we've seen it before. But the odds are that if you're undefeated, you you deserve it. And yeah, the Chiefs are probably playing after you know after what they did in New England. Although doesn't Houston uh, almost went to New England and won? So so apparently going to New England and winning isn't isn't a big deal anymore. But the Chiefs did it. You know they were the original ones to go and they actually sealed the deal. Went up there, won the game. They followed that up with two more impressive wins. That, that game where they just kind of toyed with the Eagles. Um, in week two, and then just finally blew their doors off. And again, it was in week, in, you know, week three. We saw the same result. You know, the their opponents just hanging around, and hanging around, and then ah, you know, we've had enough of you guys. We're just going to go and run off a you know fifty four yard touchdown run and just put this thing away. We've, we're just tired of playing with you guys. So yeah, yeah I'm absolutely going to go with the Chiefs as hot. Um, plus. With that win over New England, you'd think that would give them a little bit of a leg up um, right now if we get to any kind of a playoff playoff seeding scenario. Sure. It's, uh, of course, very early to talk about home field, but there's no doubt the Patriots, if they want home field over the Chiefs, would have to beat the Chiefs' record by a game. Uh, 
Uh, but again, very early in the process. But this is what you do after three weeks. Right. You we have overreaction theater after one week, and then after three weeks, we get a little more of a sample size. We can really start drooling and, and thinking about some things because after next week, after week four, you're through a quarter of the season. Yeah. And that, it kind of comes upon you quickly, but here we are, uh, three weeks. Usually there's more teams undefeated, I think. Maybe I'm wrong about yes. that, but it feels like historically there's more than two teams uh, with, no, with uh, no no losses after three weeks like this. You would be correct. Two after three weeks is a very small number. You know how many teams are two and one right now? A lot. <laughs> Sixteen teams yeah. are two and one. What kind I don't even know how to begin to try to get into all of those teams and, and break all those teams down. And the, and so many of them are complete heckle and jive where they've had those wins. They look awesome. And the losses, yeah. they look like, Oh my God, they are horrible. Oh, you mean like the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yeah. Oh, or the Baltimore Ravens <laughs> <laughs> who played each other. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, you even got a that's so Ravens out of me during that game. Because that game was so Ravens. Wow. Hey, keep that Flacco game in mind, Jason, uh, when you give out your uh, worst performance of the year award at the end of the year. Eight of 18 for 28 yards and two interceptions. 28 yeah. yards on 18 pass attempts? I, I I don't even know how to begin to break that down. Uh, it, there's only one way to break that down. What would that be? Wait a minute, I... Are, are, are you on the soundboard? I am. <laughs> Three weeks in a row, we get the Betty Hill music. I think that is a first. That's a, that, I'm more shocked that you uh, made it on the soundboard. I had no idea you were logged into the to the to the soundboard. That stunned me. That was wow. Okay, good job. Yeah, good use well, of it. I will. I will tell you that when you sent that text to me. <laughs> That said, I can't hear anything. I, I'm thinking I was going to need to jump on the board. So, ah. and last week I was playing around on there a little bit. And I was like, you know, I've never really gone into the studio to see what it's all about. And I looked at it and I was like, oh my God, a fourth grader could run this show. Yeah, it's not difficult. Oh my God. I thought it was going to be, you know, <laughs> thought it was going to be really intricate. I'm like, wow, Andre's been running the show. He's been running the board for all these years. There's, there's no way I could ever do this if I had to. And I went on there and was like, yeah, my, my daughter. Hey, Trini, come here. I need, you, I need you to produce a podcast tonight. Huh? Okay. So, so yeah, there you go. I put it through a little curveball at you. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. What's, what's going on here? I'm, I felt like a, a guest on the show listening to the sound drop. So that's cool. All right, there you go. So yeah, now yeah. that I now that I know that, now we can be sitting here. Uh, you know, we we can be actually be filling fill in the drops. So now I got to go and get some drops of my own. Yeah, 
Yep, you can load them right up there. Right. I know we have discussed uh, when you're uh, on your uh, vacation at some point, you, you might need to call in and have us do it this way. So now I know yeah, I can. Coming up uh, in, a, in a week and a half, I will be in Chicago that weekend. Yeah. And, yeah, there's a chance that I wouldn't be able to access the computer and the, and, the, and an Internet connection and all that stuff. Hell, I can't do that right now uh, for some reason. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, it's cool that you've already uh, familiarized yourself with that. But, yeah, yeah. the Ravens earned that, uh, that Benny Hill music because that game was a joke. A complete joke. Now, we talked about the Jacksonville Jaguars defense and how much we both love it. We both have the Jags in the playoffs this year. But that was not so much the Jags defense. That was just a complete shit outing by the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I just don't know what I expect from the Jaguars now. Because in the two games that they won, they looked absolutely dominant. And in the game they lost... It looked like absolute dog shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the Titans. The the, and uh, you know, I've been probably more of a believer after three games in Jacksonville. I hate to say this, than I am in Baltimore. I think that Baltimore is kind of the they're in the the, the emperor without the clothes at this point. And, they are, and I agree with that, and we're both picking the Jaguars as playoff yeah. teams before the season began. Probably belies a little bit of, of bias on our part, but you can't deny that the Ravens, in that no. one loss that they've had, looked just yeah. absolutely terrible. They looked what I thought they would be last year. Old, slow, befuddled. I don't know if it was – do we want to chalk it up to the, the flight? But you know what? Both teams had to go to London. Yeah. Now, the, ja- yeah. the Jaguars are undefeated over there. Uh, I did not realize that they are now 3-0 and over in London. So that's their home away from home. Uh, might be their home at home right. at some point here. I know that this is what we're being set up for. So we'll see. No, that's uh, – it felt like when I made the pick, it felt like I was picking a home game for Jacksonville because they go over there so much. They're so familiar. They're so comfortable. Yeah. Um, it, it's And does 44-7 to 7 is a shock, but uh, I really did feel pretty good about that particular pick. And the Ravens – yeah, I, like I said, when I made the pick, the Ravens' defense had been playing unbelievable football – it was time for them to regress. I didn't know they were going to regress like that. Uh, but, yeah, that those guys at that age can't keep that up forever. Terrell Suggs is definitely not getting any younger. Um, yeah, it was time for them to sort of take a step back. But I didn't know it was yeah. going to be that bad. I, I wouldn't be stunned to see a Ravens fade as we get deeper into the season. And, you know, and usually with those with those teams where age is the problem, those teams can start strong. But you know the body just doesn't hold up. They they start to wear out, <laughs> and I could see the Ravens. I'm not saying it's going to happen right away, but yeah, I could still see them kind of coasting into eight and eight, just kind of being mediocre. Yep, I can see that too. Uh, you briefly mentioned the uh, Houston Texans almost yeah. getting the best 
of the New England Patriots. That's one of the picks that I want to finally avenge or make up for that game in the postseason. <laughs> yes. The, the uh, Texans could have won that game as well, but collapsed all the way down to not just losing the game, but losing by more than 16 points, which was the ridiculous point spread. This point spread at 14 with the rookie quarterback, Deshaun Watson. And I decided to roll with them anyway because of that defense. And ironically, uh, they hang in there with the Patriots and almost beat them on the strength of their offense, not their defense, wind up losing the game late because of their defense. Uh, so, the, so another upside-down, topsy-turvy type of game in, uh, in week three this past Sunday. I just don't know how long the Patriots are going to be able to continue winning if their best offensive play is Tom Brady bailing out, throwing a deep ball as he's about to get sacked. Yeah, well, they threw, it, He threw a touchdown against the Saints that way. I mean, literally just about to get jacked and just flings the ball out there to a wide open guy. And then they win, they win the game against the Texans the exact same way. Because if you watch that touchdown play, he was doing the Jay Cutler falling backwards while he's about to, you know, and the guy and Brandon cooks is wide open. There's three guys out there in coverage, but they're all 10 yards away from him. And they're all looking at each other. Like, Oh, I thought you had, him. Oh, not, not, not cover zero, not, not bears bad, just no. bad enough. Sometimes bad doesn't have to be terrible. It just has to be bad enough. If you listen to enough people in the media, they will tell you that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. And things like this just happen because he's so great that he just makes things that he can make magic happen. He can be falling back <laughs> and do the Jay Cutler thing. It's just magic. It's just incredible how great, Tom Brady is. Those people will never mention to you in this game how Brady fumbled the ball and should have lost the game due to that fumble and the center happened to to fall on the ball and pick it up. They will never mention to you that Corey Moore dropped, just straight dropped an interception on that last drive that would have ended the game. Brady made a terrible throw over the middle deep and Corey Moore of the Texans should have had it. It was in his hands, and he dropped it. They won't mention that. Uh, they won't mention that the secondary just sucked for the Texans. They just left so many guys wide open that anybody could have hit them, including Brady. And it wasn't some Herculean effort by Tom Brady to come back and win that game for them. Uh, they won't mention that the Texans had second and three on that last drive that they had with the lead and couldn't convert. They wanted to going second down, third down, and having to punt, even though they had second and three. Uh, just don't stay close to New England, I guess, because magical Tom Brady will find a way to pull it out, even though he could have lost it about three or four times in there. Uh, but if you blow him out like the Chiefs, you don't have to worry about that. But if you stay close, then Brady can come back and, and find a way to win. But, hey, I won the pick. I had the points, the 14 points. You said it might be ridiculous to take New England minus 14, but, hey, it was ridiculous to take a minus 16 in the playoffs, and that worked out for you. So I I don't blame you for going back to the well. But, yeah, uh, the Patriots, I'm calling them in the hotter not competition. I'm going to go ahead and just say right now that I'm calling them not hot. They don't look the same. That offense is not purring as, as, as cleanly as it used to. Uh, 
I know they got a lot of yardage on the Texans, but again, I'm, I'm sitting there watching Houston for some reason leave him a bunch of guys wide open. Uh, I guess you want, if you want to say the Patriots are just that great and, and scheme it up, and Josh McDaniels knows how to get everybody out of position, then you find you can go ahead and believe that. But I'm not impressed with what I see from New England. Uh, they lit up the Saints in, uh, in Week Two. That's the Saints. That's for you know anybody can do that. And this game against Houston, they again they could have easily lost that game. I don't see the Patriots' offense quite as uh, powerful as they were last year. I know the numbers are still right there, uh, you know, just like Atlanta's numbers are right there. But I'm going by what I'm seeing. I'm going by watching the games. I don't think the Patriots are there. I think they're due for a fall off, uh, and that's just how I feel about it. No, I totally concur. Uh, with you on that. What they're doing is sustainable in the regular season. I don't believe what they're doing right now is going to work against a superior opponent, possibly in the playoffs. It's just, it's just not going to work that way. So we'll see. I mean, that the passing defense is their big problem. You know, we talk about their passing offense, their passing defense, their third worst in, in your favorite category in that yards per attempt. They are the third worst passing defense, and we've seen it. They are getting thoroughly just aerated <laughs> by the other teams that they are playing. And again, that was the Chiefs, the Saints, and now the, the, the Texans. The Texans didn't have a problem moving the ball on the Patriots. The, what I was the most stunned by was that the Texans put up 33 points. In Foxborough. I meant to mention the Patriots defense as part of the reason why I don't think they're hot is because they're just getting, like you said, aerated. And uh, they almost got beat by a rookie quarterback in Foxborough. And everyone would have told you going in that that just doesn't happen. Bill Belichick just does not ever lose to rookie quarterbacks at home. And he still didn't lose. And the reason he didn't lose this time, again, is because – Brady threw an interception right into Corey Moore's hands to end the game, and he dropped the ball. That's why they lost. Yeah, the Patriots, I was looking through the stats here. You know, know, you're starting to mine for some things, and you're three weeks in, you start looking for some trends, you start wanting to notice things, or or you think you see something, but you want to have the proof. The Patriots, this last week, interesting stat here for you. You know, I'm not the big stat guy, but the Patriots were only one of four teams. There were 16 games. This was a full slate. The Patriots were one of only four teams. The Patriots, the Bills, the Packers, and the Colts. Do you know what those four teams share in common out of the 16 teams that won games this last week? I do not. They were the only teams that won this last weekend that got outrushed by their opponent. And with the Colts and the Browns, it was pretty close. (laughs) But you can see you've got what you're seeing are these teams that are very weak at running the football are winning games. Also, they're winning games, but not many of them are winning games. And you look at the Patriots, the Colts, and the Packers wins, they were close. I mean, those were nail biters. Losing had to come back. Packers had to come from way back. The Patriots had to get a last-second play. The Colts um, hung on to a late game. Only the Bills comfortably won their game. 
every other winning team had a ground game or at least had a better ground game than their opponent all the way up and down the board. And we could have very easily have had one team, the Bills, out of all 16 teams that would have won a game by being outrushed by their opponent. The Bills comfortably gave up 365 yards of scrimmage yeah. uh, of yards in, in, and found a way to win by 10 points. So that just shows you how terrible uh, Trevor Simeon was playing because he was just giving the ball away all over yeah. the place. Um, so it wasn't about the yardage. It was just about – to me, it was about Trevor Simeon's first road start of the year. All that hype and all that praising of Trevor Simeon in his first two games, those are both at home. This was Simeon's first road test after all that hype. He didn't perform very well. Uh, too soon for us to be patting ourselves on the back for the Bears pick. Uh, it's not just us. A lot of people apparently saw that coming. Uh, again, this is what the Steelers do. They don't they're kind of firing out like the Seahawks right now early in the year. They're just not firing on all cylinders. You, you believe in them putting it together later on, but right now it's clear they're not playing their best football, uh, and this is the type of game that they get caught in a, against a team that's clearly inferior, but the way Chicago plays is physical and smash mouth, uh, and they're going to get after you physically, and they wore the Steelers down. If you, I watched that whole game. They absolutely wore the Steelers out. By the end of the game, their tongues were dragging, and, and Tariq Cohen was running all past them, and uh, he would have had the game-winning touchdown in overtime if he didn't step out of bounds by a blade of, of grass, just barely stepped out. Got to so use the technology. They used the technology. Yeah, they, they did. They caught it, and they put him back at whatever 40-yard line, 38-yard line, and the very next play, they give it to Jordan Howard, who then runs through the Pittsburgh defense and does score the game-winning touchdown. Someone was going to run through the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense and score the game-winning touchdown because they were done. They were so dead. It was a hot day. You talked about the Midwest temperatures up there in the 90s, up there in Green Bay where you are. was in the 90s in Chicago as well. Uh, For whatever reason, the Steelers didn't deal with that. And actually, I think I probably know the reason why is because the Bears committed so hard to running the ball and staying physical like that because they don't trust Mike Glennon to throw the ball, and nor should they. Uh, that very first drive, he almost throws it away, and from that point on, they go, okay, run, 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 and they just keep running and keep running, and by the end of the game, they wore the Steelers out. Well, it, it clearly worked. I mean, the ground game between with Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard now, they've got a nice little thing going on there. Um, don't want to give any picks away here because we haven't made our pick yet for uh, tomorrow night, but they're traveling on the road this week to a team that doesn't like to stop the run either. Just say it. <laughs> mm. Interesting. Something to think about. Uh, it sounds like we both might uh, have the same viewpoint on that particular game. Speaking of your Packers, uh, a, a back and forth game with the with the Cincinnati Bengals, in which easily the Packers could have lost that game. They should have lost that seven. game. Yeah, the, I mean Cincinnati with Joe Mixon, that whole Joe Mixon, Gio Bernard, and and Hill, Jeremy Hill, were just abusing the Packers on the ground. They were running it down their throats the whole game. And the Packers clamped down a little bit. 
and Cle- and Cincinnati couldn't adjust back. And when they needed the throws to win the game, Andy Dalton just wasn't there. And if you're gonna, if you need a quarterback to make throws to win a game, Aaron Rodgers has a significant advantage over Andy Dalton, and that's why the Packers won the game. That's absolutely true. Um, I watched this whole game too. It was kind of fascinating how exactly it unfolded. You have the new. Cincinnati offense under the new coordinator, Joe Laser, I believe is yeah. his name. A lot more quicker passing, not trying to let Dalton win the game by going downfield. Quick decision, three-step drops, five-step drops, get it out, uh, and relying on the running game. And it was absolutely working well. Um, I really like that, that new offense, the way they were doing it. Uh, they were beating Packer blitzes with quick swing passes and things like that. Um, and the, the Packers' defense can leave you wide open at times, so they mix a little bit of that in there as well. Um, the Packers being constipated once again on offense, where they could have easily uh, lost it, the, the, the sequence in which they go down 21-7 to to the Bengals is that uh, Rodgers had that flea flicker to Devontae Adams. They got 41 yards, and that seemed to maybe loosen them up and have them possibly feeling better about things. And immediately the next play or a couple plays later, William Jackson reads this throw for Jordy Nelson on the outside and he jumps it for a perfect 75-yard pick six. And that's how the Bengals went up 21-7. And frankly, that puts a lot of teams away right there, even though it's the second quarter uh, and there's a lot of game left. There's a whole lot of teams that fold right there. It's like, okay, it's not our day. It's just not meant to to work for us. Uh, So give – the Packers and Aaron Rodgers credit for hanging in there. Uh, and this protection is just God awful for the, for the Packers. It's not mm-hmm. easy to come back, especially with that offensive line uh, blocking or not blocking the way that they've been doing. So also Rodgers had to turn into Fred Astaire again and, and, to, and to facilitate that comeback. He had to start doing that dance where he dances up in the pocket and dances back in the pocket and dances back up in the pocket and starts avoiding guys like that. Uh, and in the long run, we've seen that, that's gotten them one Super Bowl championship in the past, doing it like that, dancing back and forth. But normally the season comes to an end eventually because he's worn out and, and either hurt or too tired to make it happen by the end of the year. So that's not the recipe for long-term success. But it got it done in this game, and eventually they make the comeback. Uh, and, and Geronimo Allison, after I sort of made fun of him the last game, makes a lot of really nice plays. He had an excellent game. Um, they they needed somebody to step up and be uh, the targets that they were missing. Uh, when you talk about Randall Cobb and uh, not having the full complement of weaponry, uh, so they needed somebody to come through, and he came through. Um, and Rogers, of course, in overtime, offsides got that hard count, got that free play, throws it up for for Allison for seventy three yards, uh, and that's exactly how. They deserve to win the game. That's how Rodgers should win a game is by by doing the hard count or by doing the quick snap to get 12 defenders on the field and having a free play that way because that's his move. Those are his moves right there. So that's that's how they got down the field goal range, and that's how they deserve to get down the field goal range. Yeah, the problem we uh, highlighted for the Packers, I highlighted a lot for them last year when they were going through that rough patch was that was their whole offense. Right. Like, if Rodgers couldn't get the team to jump off sides or if he couldn't catch them with 12 men on the field, they had nothing. At least in this game, they had a a little more than nothing, although I will go on three weeks in a row now. 
and say they still don't have a professional running back on that team. Um, Ty Montgomery continues his rush towards a 2.9 yards per attempt. Um, not very good what you're going to get out of that pack of running. There's just so many bad running games. Oh, my God, just so many where we are looking at teams that are just going out there and just can't get anything on the ground. You've got the Packers. You've got the Giants. Look at what I mean. Tampa Bay, uh, what they did was, oh, I mean, it was like 15 yards or 19 yards. It was just absolutely brutal, these teams, what they're putting out there and calling hey, in that NFL short. running game. They had 26 yards on the ground against oh. Minnesota. Come on. 26 yards. Rush now again, that, that's that Minnesota defense. and. But that's still, eight. that's that's only two less than uh, than Joe Flacco had passing. I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm sure uh, nobody had that prop bet. Who will have more yards, <laughs> Joe Flacco passing or the whole Tampa Bay uh, offense rushing? Although it's it is than, Vegas, you can bet yeah, on anything. Closer than you would have thought. Can you create your own prop bets? Uh That'd With be fun. Guido around the corner, yeah, um, in a legit <laughs> casino. I don't know about that. Yeah, he's right there next to the guy handing out the cards for the uh, for the prostitutes. <laughs> I still want to know why Bree costs forty five dollars an hour, but Jordan costs one hundred and fifty dollars yeah. an hour. I thanks understand to, not all Facebook. women are the same. Thanks to Facebook, you'll never get that answer. That's right, because if I put those cards up yeah. and ask Facebook, they'll I guess just send my because, and take me down, take them down. My guess is because the one that's less expensive probably has the clap. Oh, but you don't send someone out there if they have the clap. You don't. It's not like you can. Well, it's spoiled meat, but you can still buy it at a discount. No, if it's spoiled, <laughs> you don't sell it at all. It's there's no there's no pussy that good that you need to yeah. buy it knowing that it's yeah. got the clap. No, you ever go to the bakery? Ever go to the bakery and they have yesterday's donuts? Oh that's yeah, what you're getting you're getting yesterday's donuts. That's not the yeast that I want to buy. I'm sorry. Yeah! I'm not looking for that kind of yeast. That's that's a different kind altogether. So um, yeah, to your to your point though about uh, Aaron Rodgers, I did notice a drastic change for them in the second half. He didn't have to do a lot of that dancing around and creating magic it was snap the ball and throw it i mean they figured this out that he can't even i think a three-step drop for him might be dangerous <laughs> it was it was awful so that, he was doing ridiculous. and that's why i was so shocked that they were able to completely come back because there was no big plays that final drive they had they was very methodical i think that was a 12 play 75 or 70, yeah, I think it was a 12-play, 75-yard drive that they went on to tie the game uh, to force yeah. overtime. It's very methodical, but it was methodical because it couldn't, they couldn't go down the field because if Aaron Rodgers held the ball long enough to wait for a guy to get open downfield, he was going to get sacked. Yeah, you're right. He, uh, he was getting it out quicker knowing he had no blocking. Yeah. That's absolutely true. There wasn't any of the Fred Astaire in the fourth quarter of that game. It was snap and throw, and he was really utilizing – those guys, you know, that's where Ty Montgomery became useful because he's a wide receiver. <laughs> and they were able to swing it out to him a lot of times. That's true. Yes, because he's a receiver. That's where he's been <laughs> most effective. Right, yeah. Exactly. 
I, I and I all and I again say I don't know what running back would succeed behind this blocking right now. Just, oh yeah, just ask the Seahawks. <laughs> they know about bad blocking. That's for sure. <laughs> they can't run the ball either. No, at all. Uh, yeah, they're 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 really uh, and it's obvious that that's the team that you can tell. Uh, what their weakness is, it's pretty obvious. As soon as you watch them, you go, oh, that team doesn't have anybody protecting Russell Wilson. That team doesn't have anybody protecting uh, or blocking for their running backs because as soon as they snap the ball, the defenders are right there just surrounding them and and having a cookout. And another team that's obvious to me is the the Panthers. They don't have a quarterback right now. Cam is not playing like a, he's not playing like a, an MVP. He's not even playing like a Pro Bowl quarterback right now. He's playing like a bum. He's yeah, when you only there. when you can only put up thirteen points on the Saints, oh, you're having that, issues. Just saying. Yeah, that's that's very uh, very bad. Uh, but the Seahawks uh, and the Titans, I, I watched that game as well. This game was so strange. Did you, did you see the highlights of some of the stuff that happened in this game? I I caught chunks of that game. I was able to catch a lot of that game uh, through highlights. Sunday was a weird day for me because I was actually I was home, but I wasn't at home. I was I was out with my family, sweltering in ninety degree heat. <laughs> I saw some of the pictures. Oh man, it was hot that day. You didn't see the heat. That's what you can't see in a picture. Don't people tell me aren't about heat, heat, pal. I live in Memphis, Tennessee. You're made for the heat. Oh, that, that's true. That's what Dusty says. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dusty Baker says that it must be true. It must be true. <laughs> the the Seahawks and Titans, I've never seen three flags on an offensive line on one play. The Seahawks were, not only are they not protected, but when they do protect, they hold. They had three guys called on one play, two for holding and one for, I, I don't even remember, the uh, might have been a block in the back or something. I've never seen three flags on one line on one play. I've never seen one player rack up three uh, flags on one play either, but Richard Sherman had the hat trick where he uh, held a guy, held a receiver, Eric Decker, as the ball was in the air. Uh, Seattle picked it off while they're running it back. Seattle has now turned into the offense. Sherman continued to hold. Eric Decker was called for holding uh, offensively as they tried to run the interception back and got pissed at all of these calls being made, ran up to the referee, started mouthing off and took his helmet off and got a personal foul for doing that. And that wasn't enough because Richard Sherman is a fabulous football player and one of the best cover cover uh cover cornerbacks of his time and he's also unbelievably uh arrogant and petulant and childish and he's almost Philip Rivers like when he gets uh when he thinks there's a call or an injustice done to him he will not let it go and he almost went back at the referee uh enough to get a, a second flag he would have gotten four flags and thrown out of the game if the referee Uh, would have had the inclination to do that. He could have, because Sherman was still barking at him with his helmet off after all those flags were announced to the crowd. And the team had to get around Sherman and sort of push him back to the sideline and say, dude, shut the fuck up and and go get out of here and get ready for the next play or whatever. Uh, There's a lot of stuff I've never seen. And Sherman then turns around a little later on, jacks up 
Marcus Mariota on a scramble play out of bounds, uh, and the, the Titans had a lot of problems with that, of course. It was, it was slightly dirty. Um, it was a step out of bounds. So it was, it was a strange day. And at the end of the day, it all broke down to Seattle can't protect Russell Wilson. Uh, they, they, had, they stopped the run. They stopped the Titans from running in the first half. Uh, but eventually they wore down as well, and the Titans just absolutely ran them out of the building in the second half. Yeah. No, and that was that was the one that I hung on to dear life for to take against you this last week. That's it. The Titans got it done against the Seahawks. I said the champions would rise up and be champions, and, and they did the exact opposite. They acted like they never won anything in their lives, and the Titans took advantage of that. Well, the Titans were the bigger, more physical team. They blocked better, too, on both sides of the ball. That always helps. It does. <laughs> Speaking of not blocking, I think we both kind of signaled what our picks are going to be tomorrow night, but we'll go through the motions anyway. It's the 7,435,000th uh, edition of Bears versus Packers. It's going to be on Thursday night football. Chicago travels up to Green Bay. Chicago is one and two. Green Bay is two and one. And despite both teams having to go to overtime last week, the Bears are seven point underdogs on the road at the Packers. Jason, who you got? I, I have a really hard time giving that many points with the Green Bay Packers. I just don't think that they are built to stay clear of somebody at this point by a full touchdown when they can't stop the run at all. It doesn't matter what Mike Glennon does in this game. Um, and the Bears' defense has been scrappy. Other than the cover zero against Austin Hooper, they might be 2-1. and one. There you go. Um, I not just only concur, but the Packers have shown me so little ability to protect Aaron Rodgers, and the Bears have shown me if there's anything they can do, well, there's two things they can do, is they can run the ball and they can get in your face defensively, but Get in your face defensively, plus against a team that can't protect, plus getting seven points as well. I got to lock it up. I mean, that's just, the Bears can win this game very easily tomorrow night. They can absolutely beat the Packers uh, if they don't let Mike Lennon ever throw the ball. Um, and and to give them seven points the way the Packers are playing right now, I, think, I just think that's ridiculous. I don't think I, there will be be anything easy for the Bears in any of their victories this year? Uh, no, but they, they certainly have the formula, I think, to give the Packers all they can handle. More on our after show when we come back. Now into the VIP after show program. Yeah, the Bears are not uh, laying down so far. I, I still think John Fox is a dead man walking, but uh, they're giving it to you. They're they're giving you the effort right now. They've got the, the physicality, and certainly as long as those two young running backs can stay upright, they're going to give any opponent uh, their, a run for their money uh, any given week. Yeah, and even at one and two, I, I, I have been somewhat insulated. I haven't listened to the score or – read any of the Chicago media in a while, but it doesn't sound we're like we're quite yet to the Trubisky calls. Like I, People, I think, are willing to, to ride this out a little longer. Uh, not that Mike Glennon's going to be great, <laughs> but that, that they know what this team is. 
and that rushing Trubisky in there isn't all of a sudden going to make them into a uh, a playoff or a division contender. No, I, I think they, they. I think everyone knew the Bears weren't contending this year. No, it's just that Trubisky is this new shiny toy, and they did so much to trade up to get him. They want to see him, and, and I don't blame the fans for that. I haven't gotten the chance to listen either, but I, I think they probably are caught, uh, starting to call for him, just based on some things I've seen from Bears fans on Twitter and stuff. And I don't blame them for that because Mike Glennon looks terrible. He does not look like a a guy that you want to see play quarterback, even though you paid him all that money. So. I don't need to see Mike Glennon anymore. I've, I've seen enough. I know what the, I know what I think of him. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it, we know we've talked about the contract. We dissected that a little bit when we feel when we looked at the numbers and realized that basically he's on a glorified one-year contract. They they signed him strictly to be a placeholder. It should actually just say placeholder on his jersey. <laughs> Not even his name, just placeholder. Yeah, he he is literally just holding a seat warm, you know, keeping a seat warm for their number one draft pick. That's all he's doing. And if he's back next year, it will be on an extreme team-friendly deal. Very much team-friendly. Yeah, they're, yes. they're tearing that contract up as soon as this year is over. I, I would, I would yeah. think. No, no options are getting picked up. <laughs> Nothing of the sort. Uh, for Mike Glennon. Uh, In that Bears game, I also need you to keep Marcus Cooper in mind for worst play of the year, because if you don't give him some sort of award, I'll be something up. Getting stripped on the the field goal block, yeah, that that was not a good look. Slowing down on purpose before you get to the goal line to style and profile and getting caught from behind and just giving up points. That's called the Leon Lett. Right? Yeah. Isn't that that's the exactly what it is. Yeah. Yes. In the Super Bowl. But uh, look at it this no way, though. Both teams that did that still won their game. <laughs> so is that the, uh, the the key to success is once you style hard enough that somebody can come and knock yeah. the ball out of your hand and prevent a touchdown, yeah. that means you must be dominating and, and you're still going to win the game. Yeah, we saw we saw bad things happen and teams still win the game. And we saw uh, the Packers and the Falcons both throw pick sixes in their games and win. You don't see that a lot. We saw the the Bears styling at the half-yard line, letting up and uh, getting stripped. You know, so just, yeah, so it, there you go. Sometimes, you know, the NFL has become very random, and things that used to be sort of the death knell they're not anymore, I guess. I guess not. Uh, what other games uh, stood out to you this week? Well, I, th- I think we uh, saw both of the Hurricane teams come crashing back down to earth this week with the Bucks and the Dolphins. Uh, yikes. Yeah, the, uh, well, the Bucks... Uh... Showed you their weakness. They having trouble uh, still covering people, uh, and the Dolphins showed you their weakness is they are having trouble moving the football big time. My goodness. Yeah, you can't you can't lose to the Jets like that. The Jets. Oh God, the Jets. My lock of the week. They had some heart. Yeah. I, I don't know why I knew they were going to show some heart, but they absolutely showed it. Yeah, I think I think you might actually be ahead of me in the locks for the first time ever. 
ever. That's right. I have two lives to your one. I am king of the world. In the three years now that we've been doing locks, our third season of doing the locks, <laughs> you actually have a lead. That's the real shocking uh, outcome. Not the yeah. 727 percentage on the season, but the fact that I'm leading you in locks now, finally. Yeah, yeah especially yeah, last year, considering how awesome you did against me, and I beat you in the locks by like and five. Still lost the locks pretty badly, yeah. Yeah, well... Hey, you got one up on me now. You got nothing now. You got no excuses. You're ahead of me in the locks. You're ahead of me in the picks. You're at a 700 plus win percentage. It is just smooth sailing the rest of the way for you. I'm trying to give the locks right back to you immediately as early as tomorrow night. Well, we both took the Bears tomorrow night. I did not necessarily take them to win the game. I, I, I don't think. I could see some some late magic. I could see the the Packers having to gut one out again. I don't see them being down um, as much. I think this could be a tight game. I think this could be a very frustrating game. And I could see this definitely being a low-scoring, ugly field goal kind of game, like you're, like a 19-16 or a 19-17 kind of game. It might be some ugly football. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. It's it's been pretty ugly so far for the Packers. Uh, they do not look like the the same Packers right now. Yeah, and I don't know who the short week helps. I don't know if the short week helps the Packers. Banged up, their offensive line is trash. Their running game is worse. Um, their receivers are still hurt. Their defense is not very good. But you know, the Bears all they have to do is come in there and just keep alternating between Cohen and Howard. Very simple game plan, I think, for the Bears tomorrow. Just run the ball right down the throat of the Green Bay Packers. Packers will once again be without both starting tackles, David Bakhtiari and Brian Bulaga. Uh, And in addition, one of their better linebackers, Nick Perry, is trying to practice with a club on his hands. I don't know if he's going to be able to play with that thing. Uh, Guys play with clubs all the time, but he's not a a lock to to make it back tomorrow night. They need uh, as much tacklers as they can get. They need linebackers because, again, the Bears are going to be running down their throats uh, with their running game, and they they need as many guys up front as they can get. So, and for the Packers, this is this isn't even an issue anymore. Where Aaron Rodgers can break contain and rip off these fifteen and twenty yard runs, he's just got nowhere to go. I mean, when you talk yeah, about him is. dancing around back there, he is dancing around in a phone booth. That's closing right. in on him rapidly. He, he really does look like Fred Astaire to me sometimes. Just da 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 da. da. No, no one does that better though. And, and then the, the, uh, the angles, the arm angles, and the you know the hopping off of one foot and the, be able to put the ball with accuracy on these receivers. It, it truly is a gift that he has because a lot of quarterbacks have tried that in the past. A lot of the, they throw a lot of picks. When that happens. <laughs> yes. Or if they're Andy Dalton, they overshoot their target by five yards. Yeah. Or or just, yeah, or Cam Newton, who's just hurt. Oh. He's hurt. When are it, they yes. going to just admit that he's hurt? I don't know. Uh, he, he, pulled, he called his own number again. He pulled the ball oh. down and, and dove into the end zone because that's the only way he can score right now. He's not throwing it to anybody. That was their only uh, touchdown. It doesn't help that his targets are getting hurt. Uh, Greg uh, Olson last week goes down. Yep. This week it's uh, Kelvin Benjamin. 
So not only is he not an effective quarterback, but he's losing weapons. That's a really bad combination. And yet that team is two and one. Um, you went I would not Carolina Packers. Not, Packers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I concur. Yeah, okay. Well, we got that out of the way. Yes. I'm not going through all 16 to a one team. Well, uh, well, was it, uh, was the, uh, did the Giants get the memo a little too late about the fact that it was not a good idea to go to 0 and 3? I mean, they did all they could. Odell Beckham is finally playing somewhat close to Odell Beckham again, and that makes all the difference in the world, as you saw, because once he starts doing that, you have to pay attention to him, and there's Sterling Shepard now getting open and having a big day as well. It's a completely different offense uh, when you get Odell Beckham playing the way he's supposed to play. It all came up a little short because uh, University of Memphis' own Jake Elliott from 61 yards booms it through for the uh, for the yeah. Eagles and wins the game. But uh, the Giants try; they they try like hell. Uh, so despite well, being going three, I I actually kind of feel encouraged for them strangely. They tried like hell for one quarter. Yeah, like when they finally realized that oh, this is probably a bad idea. Uh, we we might want to try to win this game. The odds of making the playoffs at 0-3, really tiny. I think they're under 3%. Yeah, not good. Not yeah. Good. Now, we both had the Giants making the playoffs this year. So let's hope that they're in that under 3%. We've got to hope like hell. <laughs> uh, on the other side for the Eagles... Again, patting myself on the back a little bit. Someone said having Darren Sproles as your starting running back would be a bad idea because he's a little guy and he's going to get beat up. Now he's done. Uh, now he's done. He didn't get beat up. He got blowed up. Yeah. He got his yeah. – was his ACL? Yeah, not good. There was and multiple injuries. Yeah, there, there were, got popped. Yeah, there were two injuries. Um, yeah, well, yeah, he probably popped the ACL and then hurt the elbow when he fell over. Yeah, um, yeah. That's what happens when you start a guy that small as running back in the NFL. It's 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 inevitable. I didn't right. think it was going to happen in the first game, but it was going to happen. You cannot have him out there that much because he's going to no. get blown up. Darren Sproles was cast perfectly in that role as that change of pace guy. Everywhere he's been, um, or as a returner, and you're just somebody who was sort of like that Swiss Army knife, and you could put him in, and he could catch the ball. He, he was, he could get some tough yards between the tackles in sparing play. But yeah, you can't. He's not a thirty, a thirty carries a game guy. He, he's not going to be your bell cow. You, you'll get him killed, and they got him killed. How about that? What I figure would happen. I just didn't know. Uh, did you think it would happen that quickly? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I, and I another pat on my back. I repeat, the drop-off from Sam Bradford to Case Keenum, not that much of a drop. How about that, Case Keenum on it, Sunday? Well, I guess that's not a uh, compliment to Sam Bradford coming from you. <laughs> no, it's Cause, Sam Bradford. Because you can't say good things about – it hurt you so bad saying something good about Sam Bradford after that week one performance against the Saints that you just got a bag on him now just to get back to even. 
you have your it's your Sam Bradford fairness doctrine. For every good thing that you say about him, you have to say something bad or or give him some kind of a backhanded compliment or say that Case Keenum is not a big drop off from Sam Bradford. It wasn't against Tampa Bay. No, and Stefan Diggs continues to ball out. He's uh, the the deep target du jour, no matter who his quarterback is. And so far, Adam Thielen is doing a perfect job as a complimentary on uh, possession piece on the other side. Uh, the Vikings got to go on out right now, so I'll, I'll certainly call them hot. Well, I had them winning the division, so I I, I have to go with hot. <laughs> I think I, yeah. I said when I when we had our our pick show for the for the preseason, I said that they were the most complete team in that division. And I I'll, I'll stand by that assessment. They sure look like it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you look at the Vikings, if you, if, you know, you want to talk about hot or not. If you look at the Vikings, the lions and the Packers, I think we'd both agree that the Packers are the most flawed out of those three teams. Now, right now, until they get their protection short. Of, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is a major understatement. Boy, howdy. You're going to see that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and uh, you're you're going to see that live coming up uh, tomorrow night. You'll be the man on the scene. Yeah, you know, and you uh, live football is interesting. You know, there's so many people who prefer it on TV. I, I probably prefer it on TV, but there is still something about being there. I remember being there for that NFC championship game. And I remember telling you that, as wide open as those Atlanta receivers looked against the Packers in that game, they looked more wide open in person. Mm-hmm. If that was possible. I mean, d- you know, dudes just nowhere in the vicinity and you're seeing it all developing. And that is one of the things I do appreciate. Uh, we'll be sitting up high in the new um, South end zone. So we're up in the new add on part of Lambo. It was supposed to be a nice night, nice fall night. We should have like, you know, 50s, no rain. Um, so a lot better than what I experienced this last week when we had our uh, first 90 of the year at the end of September. I think it was the first day of fall was our first 90-degree day of the year. In the Midwest, we call that Indian summer when we were kids, but I, I, well, I can don't we, think I can say that anymore. Can we still call it that? It's Native American so. Native American summer. Oh, I don't think that's too much better. But Oh, um, <laughs> we'll have to think about that. We'll have to get a ruling or yes. something like that. We'll call it climate uh, change, but right? <laughs> speaking of social uh, issues and what. The big question about tomorrow night is, of course, we have to know, will you be standing with your fellow man locking arms? The answer to that is no. (laughs) But Aaron Rodgers says it's the thing to do. And that's exactly exactly why (laughs) I won't be doing it. I I don't think it's proper for the, the, you know, it's fine if the team's want to do what they want to do. That is their right. But don't start to ask. You are paying patrons to do it with you. So, no. Across America. No. I'm, I'm just not. Yeah, they they, they want to do it. That's fine. They, they, you know, the, we've talked about this a lot on our show. I mean, this goes, this goes, this predates 
even the election. This goes back all the way to the last year when, uh, with, the, with the whole Colin Kaepernick thing and was sort of like the genesis of this whole thing. But it, it's become so such a, a bastardized version of what it was originally that it's not even about what it was originally about anymore. So I wonder how Kaepernick feels to watch what he started basically being co-opted now. Um, and still without a job, by the way, which I pointed out right. um, this weekend, the, the hypocrisy of the NFL, all these owners putting out all of these, uh, you know, how dare he statements about Trump while they let Colin Kaepernick rot on his couch. Yeah, they couldn't wait to run to their oh, PR yeah. firms and yeah. get these statements out there to the public to say, we strongly detest yeah. the words of Donald Trump in Alabama when he said that those sons of bitches should be fired if they take a knee. We mm -hmm. strongly uh, We strongly disagree, that, even though we fired that son of a bitch who started it. <laughs> we say in the strongest terms that we are against what Donald Trump has said. Um, and by the way, if that's Colin Kaepernick at our door, uh, tell him we're not home and we're not interested in what he's buying. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to we're going to call out the president for calling us out. You know, what, what were they mad about? They already did what he said they should do. Well, I guess he thinks they should take every single person that takes a knee yeah. and throw them off the team. Exactly. Which was That'd be a hell of an NFL if they did that. There'd be no one left. <laughs> which, which is which is why, when I say that this has become sort of a bastardized version of, of what it started out at, it really is. This is this has gone from being an racial equality, anti-police brutality thing to basically just anti-Trump. That's certainly what it was Sunday. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of black people that didn't uh, that play in the NFL that didn't see fit to. Uh, sit down or take a knee with Colin Kaepernick over racial inequality that decided, now I need to go take a knee because Donald uh -huh. Trump called me a son of a bitch. Yes. Right. And uh, right now all you have teams that, you know, teams that stayed in the tunnel, teams that stayed in the locker. It, uh, do whatever you yeah, want to do. Where was all of this uh, a, a week fine. ago? Why yeah. now? Because it's cool now. See? It's the anti-Trump yes. thing. To this do, is so therefore we have to this is the 2017 version of the ice bucket challenge. How's that doing? Uh, or the the Harlem Shake challenge? Yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody has to do it. Uh, I, I know I'm. Uh, I guess I'm being stereotypical to say I know you guys didn't do it. I, I shouldn't say that, but uh, oh. the, uh, uh, the 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 freeze challenge or the uh, uh, I don't even know what you call it. The the challenge a couple of years ago around Thanksgiving and Christmas time where everybody was filming themselves in freeze frame action where they were mm -hmm. having to stay completely still. I'm assuming you yeah. guys didn't get into no. all of that. I didn't do the ice bucket challenge either. Right. No, and, I'm not that, the... and I'm not going to stand with my arms locked with people <laughs> at a football game because Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, because they represent the team probably in the widest part of the country for the NFL – think they need to look cool yeah we we actually did the freeze thing uh in in yeah. both of my families in my family and in my wife's family we wound up uh doing the well in, I, I take that back i saw my family in chicago i saw the video that they made of doing the freeze ah, thing but i wasn't a sure. part of that 
but everyone, my point was everyone did that. And this does indeed, you're right, feel like that. You got Bill Russell taking a picture of himself on his knee. Yeah. Uh, all these celebrities uh, on their knee and everyone. Now, where were all these people supporting Colin Kaepernick before Donald Trump called him a son of a bitch? Well, they, they weren't taking pictures see, of themselves the, on a knee before that. This is why this has to transcend Trump. If it doesn't transcend Trump, it's never going to go anywhere. Colin Kaepernick started doing this. Donald Trump wasn't the president. Right. When, Donald, when, when Colin Kaepernick started doing this, if we want to get just strictly on racial lines, we had a black man running the country. And Colin Kaepernick, right. with all the things going on, with all the police brutality and all the white cops getting off, you know, and, and, and all those things were going on. Donald Trump was not even in the picture, had nothing to do with any of it. It was going on. This predates Trump. Trump now just gives it an ugly face, you know, because you can't blame the president when the president's black. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Kind of hard to do, especially when Obama's out there going, oh, that, you know, that could have been my kid, or you could have been, that could have been me. You know, when he's out there making those statements, because he can, it's not like Trump can get up and say that, or anybody who's not black. I couldn't go up there as president and go, well, that could have been me. Oh, wait. But that's not no, the point. That's not what, no, good <laughs> now. It's not saying that white people don't get killed by cops. They they absolutely do. They don't, it, you know, not in the same percentages or anything, because we we both agreed on this show many times that police brutality in general is a major issue. All sides. On correct, <laughs> you know, people with guns, they're gonna get you know, and they they feel like they have the power, and you run across one of the bad ones. I don't think they care. It, it, you get a loose cannon, they're gonna shoot you. And Colin Kaepernick was pointing that out because he was seeing all the things that were happening with these cases, especially of unarmed black uh, folks, whether they were committing a crime or not is not the point because you are innocent until proven guilty. Nobody is judge, jury, and executioner. So I don't want to hear that excuse. Well, it doesn't matter if they're shooting these people because you know they were committing crimes. Oh, oh was that where we are now? Is this the running man? Right. I mean, <laughs> so, wild, wild west. Yeah. Hey, where's Will Smith? No, no, not that wild. Certainly oh. not that wild, wild west. If it's Will Smith, no, I'm talking about the John Wayne wild, wild west. I know, I know what you're talking about. Okay, that was that was, that was a bad joke. <laughs> but no, it, it, it this is not what we have. We just, you know, yeah, we don't have the marshal riding it on the horse, you know, and he's just gonna pump you full of lead. Although, it's kind of what's happening. But uh, that, that's not what anybody was talking about. None of these protests had anything to do with Kaepernick. You think he'd be the, almost like the spiritual leader of this whole movement. You, you, I, where was the tribute to him during any of this? Where was the guy wearing the eye black with the seven in it? Or, you know, would you have loved to have seen uh, like a quarterback or somebody who plays for a team come out with the number seven on? <laughs> that would have been funny. You know, but I'm just, this is why I called out the hypocrisy of this whole thing right away. I'm like, this, this, this whole thing just stinks. And, you know, what they're doing is they're making it political versus making it about the issue. The issue's forgotten. This doesn't matter anymore. It's completely co-opted by this, hey, it's cool to, it's cool because everybody hates Trump. Um and we're we're just going to jump on board with that. And it's a, you know, like I was talking when I've talked about Trump and you know being sort of the low hanging fruit for the left. <laughs> it just gives them so much 
to go after him for. And he does. He just opens up his mouth. He's like, oh, my God, what are you doing? You know, it's just like, come on. Yeah, I'm hanging through for pretty much anyone yeah. who's paying attention. It just yeah. every time he opens his mouth, it's just yeah. Like, oh my it's just, yeah, he's just it's just it never stops. He just he can't get out of his own way, and everybody's everybody jumps on it right away, and it becomes cool. And then until 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 the next thing, you know, and that's just sort of where we've become. So this is the thing right now. But no, I don't. I don't see myself um, bowing to the the, the 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 demands of the Green Bay Packers for the the biggest exercise of groupthink that they can come up with. If some nice lady next to you grabs your arm and, and links arms, you're not going to pull your arm away and say, "No, this is publicity, and I'm no. not a part of it." I'll not just stand there, that. stand there, and give the look, shake the head, <laughs> like, no, not happening. <laughs> ah, come on. Yeah, no, and I, you know, I've seen, I've seen a fairly mixed reaction to it. Some of the people are like, oh, this is really cool, but that's the thing. That's that's not about the issue. It's oh, let's all just let's all hold hands and sing kumbaya, and we're all united. Uh, it's just that's not what this is about. No, because if we were all united, then the, yeah. the issues wouldn't be out there in the first place. And, and never mind the fact that that's a stadium that holds 70,000 people, and there's probably going to be 14 black folks there. <laughs> 14? When did you guys get an uptick? What happened? Players have families, you know. Ah, yeah, people fly in from other places yeah. to see their, their, their little boy play. Yeah, I get Yeah. That. So, yeah, you know, Green Bay, Wisconsin is fairly lily white. Understatement of the year. Yes. I mean, when you hear the stories from the Green Bay Packer players, like back in the 80s, who played up here in Green Bay, and they'd be at the grocery store, and the people would just come up because they saw a black person at the grocery store, they'd just walk up and go like, oh, yeah, what position do you play? Because <laughs> they just, this is a true story. They just assume to be on the that, yeah, because if you see a brother at the grocery store in, in Green Bay, he's got to play for the Packers. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I believe that. I certainly so, believe that story. Yeah, I, so that was that was my whole that was my whole take on the thing this weekend. There was a there was a corporatist cynical element to the whole thing uh, and, and a general hypocrisy. I, it sounds like that you aren't that far away from what I'm thinking. I was uh, my overriding feeling of Sunday was pride of the uh, of so many people protesting. Uh, but at the same time, I do realize that so many of them were doing it basically because Donald Trump called all of them sons of bitches. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, yeah. watch this. So It was just a middle uh, finger. It was just them sticking yeah. up a middle finger at Donald Trump. It wasn't about the core issue. Exactly. So while I'm never against sticking a middle finger up at Donald Trump, I, I am definitely worried about the message getting completely lost. That This is about racial inequality in America, which – so many people want to, on purpose. I don't. I don't believe people are this stupid. I think on purpose. So many people want to believe that it's not about that. It's about disrespecting the flag and disrespecting the military and disrespecting America. It's not about any of those things. 
you just want it to be. Some of you just want it to be because you don't want to address the actual issue of racial inequality. None of There will never be a time in which Donald Trump addresses the issue of racial inequality, which is why the knee was being taken originally. He will never address that because he doesn't want to. And so many people who think like him don't want to address that actual issue. So therefore, when he takes it on and says that it's about disrespecting America, which is not, uh, then he makes it into, and people come back and protest against what he said. Now it's, like you said, it's it's all about let's hate on Donald Trump and let's take a knee to, to say fuck you to Donald Trump. And I, that's that's all, all I'm afraid of is the message getting lost in it. I was still proud, uh, proud of what I saw. I was still proud to see a lot of guys uh, refusing to stand for the anthem, which is just a dumb tradition. They don't need to, be, to play the anthem at games anyway. I'm, I'm long on record as saying that. But uh, I'm just afraid of the whole original issue of why Colin Kaepernick took the knee in the first place uh, getting obscured. So we, we're, we're surprisingly close to our viewpoints on that one. Um, which the way, the way this show's gone over the last few months, I wouldn't have expected. <laughs> Although, I don't think we've had like, you know, I don't think we disagree on the, the, the larger picture. I think sometimes we just disagree on the finer details or we, we, we take a little bit different view of, of the smaller view sometimes. I think in the big picture, we agree that, you know, like on the big stuff, you know, racism is bad. Police brutality is bad. I mean, it's, you know, it's very hard to get somebody to, to, to disagree with those statements. I think that's a very small percentage of people that if you said is racism bad would actually go, no, it's great. Uh, yeah, very, very small. But it, what what the percentage is that's still a problem and still stunning to me is the people who will tell you that it's that the, the racism that's happening is not that bad or is not that much or that what black people are protesting is not that big of a deal or that it's a publicity stunt or whatever. Uh, to, for the arrogance, the sheer arrogance of these people to look at what black people are saying is happening and, and having lived zero days in black people's shoes, having lived zero percent of their lives as black people in America, and for them to go, no, it's not that bad. Whatever you're saying, however bad you're saying it is, it's not really that bad. I know nothing about what you're going through, but I'm going to judge that it's not really that bad just based on what I've seen and heard, based on nothing of your experiences, because I don't know your experiences. That is just sheer, just mind-blowing every day when I see that in social media and and different people that I talk to, uh, just to just completely dismiss the experience of black people in this country just because you don't want to confront the possible racism and and bigotry that they go through it's just mind-blowing to me well this is you know this might be a little deeper than we usually get as far as like the thought that i'm about to to say here but this is a a issue that we just run into now as a society and this is going to be the big problem for all the people that are looking for the racial equality and for everything to change because we have this this social media instant gratification fast food i want it now you know impeach trump i want results let's do it we're talking about something that's probably going to have to change and improve in 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 measurements of generations versus versus measurements in minutes or hours or days or months, because you're not going to just all of a sudden 
kneel for the anthem or do any of this stuff. It, it, it's going to have to come from, you know, like kids being raised a different way, education improving. I mean, this is also socioeconomic. I mean, we've talked about this somewhat in the past. You know, if you're not going to improve the conditions in, in most of these urban areas where, where the admittedly, you know, the African-American population is concentrated generally in urban areas. Urban areas in this country have been just run into the ground. You know, they are basically, that's where the problems are. And people are expecting like, oh yeah, I'm going to have some, I'm, I'm going to have a protest or I'm going to do something. We're just going to get this instantaneous change. And it's going to be slow change. It's going to have to happen from people raising their kids. This is going to be very slow. And I think the world that we live in now, we want the instant gratification. And we're just not going to get it. So that's, you know, that's why I always wonder, like, what's the barometer? What's the measuring stick? What's the, what's the end game? What's the result? Everybody, I want racial equality. Okay, well, what does that look like? People who want it don't even know what it looks like because they don't know because they've never experienced it. Because they've never seen it. <laughs> right. But that's what I mean. It, 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 you know, so what we've created in this country, unfortunately, is almost a permanent whether we've created a permanent victim class in this country of people who feel oppressed. Doesn't mean that they are. But we've created every minority group or every, you know, every group that feels like they're different. <laughs> we've created the mindset that everyone has to strive for the equality, but nobody knows what the equality looks like, so they're never going to get it. Does that make sense? A little bit, um, but I guess I would say that I think a lot of those people that are right protesting and striving for equality know that they're not going to get it instantly, but they think it's important anyway because a lot of those people that are going to go on in their generation and the next generation to try to fight legally, uh, to, to have the power to legally fight for those equalities, because things like uh, – Brown versus Board of Education, things like civil rights acts and things like that, they don't spring up instantly. they, they got to start somewhere. So starting now with the protests now that you see with, with all these cops getting off for murdering unarmed black people, uh, I think the point is to start protesting now and to start working now so that in the future, those people, that the, the young people that see the protests now and see the uh, injustice now will grow up thinking I need to do something about this when I get a chance and they'll go to get the chance to go to school, get educated and, and be in position to do something about it in those future generations. But you have to start somewhere. And I think that's where a lot of these uh, protesters are starting right now. Yeah. But any, anybody who's looking for like thinking that they're just going to change the heart and hearts and minds, you know, it, it's not going to happen. You're not going to take the, the heart of somebody who was, was raised racist or thinks that way or has become that way and changed their mind. You know, everybody's, everybody's come to their conclusion through their life's experiences. Nobody's born racist. Nobody's just born hating someone of another race or religion. You know, I, I look at, I look at my, my, you know, my daughter goes to school and she's got, 
she's got black friends in her class and she doesn't treat, you know, she, it, it, so I look at that and I'm like, well, you know, it's what I grew up with. It's no, you know, it's, I think when you see the reaction, like when you see somebody and then she, she'll eventually reach that point where, especially where I live and you're old enough, you'll start to run across that. You'll hear somebody, you'll start to hear those, those, those racist words and those things that are said that, you know, she won't hear them here. She won't hear them in this house. But she'll hear them. I know she will. I'm sure she'll ask about them, you know, but that's where it's going to start. It's going to start with people who have kids who are just look at everybody as people. That's true. And But I think, like I said, the people that are, are fighting now for equality and, and protesting now, I think they know that a, a judge that decides to spring a uh, a cop who shot an unarmed black person is not going to automatically look up and go, I've done wrong. I need to change my ways based on these people taking <laughs> well, knees in football games. Let's, no, that's not going to happen. Let's, let's, just, let's just be clear. The, the judges and the juries are springing most cops that kill most people of any race. It's not like the cop that kills sides. the white It's not like the cop that shoots the white guy goes to jail, but the cop that shoots the black guy get, gets off. Cops you know, we've got this whole militarization going on of the police force. I like you. You posted the thing on, um, you posted the 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 the, the graph that showed all the metropolitan areas with, with all yeah. the the yeah. If you would have shown that same graph in of North Dakota, it would have been all white people. You know that, right? I mean, it's it wouldn't have been like all the people that were shot by cops in Montana were black. Okay, but it's still the larger point is that the larger percentage of, of people getting killed in this country are primarily black. And it just seems like uh, it's, it's disproportionate to the, the percentage of it's, it's, uh, right. people it's, it's in the disproportionate, country overall. It's disproportionate to the size of, of the population that, the, that, that black America represents, which is about 13%. But it's statistically wise it's not a larger number of of actual incidents it's a smaller number of incidents but it's larger in the actual percentage that is true that is that is greatly true that your odds are much higher i guess is a better way to say it yeah so the odds are much greater it will get shot by police uh, if you're unarmed unarmed black person than if you are an unarmed white person although there's just a lot more white people <laughs> to shoot. So the raw number is higher. That's all I'm saying. But yes, what you said was true. But what what you also were pointing out, though, is, again, when, when you look at Chicago or Detroit or Los Angeles, you know, the, again, it's, we're, we're, the, the percentages of the population in those areas are actually much higher than that 13%, the national average. Yes, this is not uh, Houston and Chicago are not thirteen percent black. No, they are much higher. So the odds again, if you're in Houston or Chicago or Detroit or Los Angeles or New York, much higher percentage of the black population lives in those areas. So the odds would also then go up. That's why I was saying if you showed that same graph of Utah, or you know, if it was the same, if it was the same there. That'd be that'd be like that would be the aha moment I think for a lot of people like wait a minute 
hold on a second. Are you telling me that Pierre, South Dakota, you had 13 black guys get shot by police and no white people? There's a problem here. That that would be uh, comical, uh, but it's still extremely disproportionate. That's all. That's all anyone is saying when they put, when they put up graphics like that. Is it is so disproportionate to have a, a, ma- a major metropolitan city that's just say for example thirty uh, percent black to have fifty or sixty percent of the cop killings be black people is absolutely out of whack and disproportionate and, and needs to yeah. change. I mean, the cops don't need to kill anybody in Chicago. The people in Chicago are doing that just fine. In certain neighborhoods, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the cops, I mean, it's going to become like uh, London and uh, Paris where you're just going to have these no-go zones. The cops aren't even going to bother going in there anymore. It's like, ah, you know what? Just let them figure it out. I think from my experience of living there, those no zones are already there. That's what it's gotten to. That, but that's sad. I mean, and when we talk about this, the socioeconomic and political landscapes, if, if that doesn't change, there's going to be no equality if that doesn't change. If we're going to have, if we're going to have a permanent underclass in this country, and it's not racial. I mean, it's just, you know, that's anybody in that category. It could be of any race or, or creed or, or anything. If you're just going to allow the, you know, abject poverty to become a, a thing, which we have, and this is not just a recent thing. This has been going on for decades and a lot longer than that. I mean, when we're too busy, you know, drone striking other countries, you think about the money that we've spent since nine eleven just on war. We could have fixed every road, rebuilt every school and, uh, you know, every hospital and sent every person in the country through high uh, college for what we've spent just murdering people for the last 17 years. And still have enough money to go left over uh, to go help Puerto Rico. And still have enough left. They probably still have enough money left over to still keep killing people all over the world. Right. Yeah. So it wouldn't take that big of a chunk out to help Puerto Rico. That's probably true. Yeah, now I know that there's, I know that there's, uh, I know there's efforts over there, but from what I'm, from what I am gathering is they are, uh, they're very, they're very slim. slim. Yeah. Now, what I had heard after the first two hurricanes, I mean, after Harvey, they were already worrying about running out of the disaster relief money after the first hurricane hit. And we've had two more. I mean, we basically had we had Irma, and then we had Maria, which never even hit the mainland, and that only that but that that just ripped up. I mean, you feel bad for Puerto Rico. The island gets trashed by Irma, and then they're just starting to rebuild. And then here comes Maria to just rearrange all the trash. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it, that's pretty bad. I just I'm wondering, but again. There's probably plenty of money there, but we need it to fuel all the jets that you know, so we can go and you know bomb people in Syria or you know in in Yemen or all these other countries where we, we we've got you know quote unquote interests. Um, it's more important to be doing that than you know actually saving saving real lives. You know we have to go fight terrorists some somewhere in some you know quote unquote you know you talk about uh, we talk about people don't know what equality looks like i will venture to guess that people have no idea what winning the war on terror looks like 
because how do you beat terror? Probably a lot like winning the war on drugs. Does terror just well, drugs are at least a real thing? Does terror just show up? Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to open up the door. Why? Terror might be there. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, what, Watch what out! Does it's it look like what? Yes. Uh, I mean, they're, they're trying to tell us what terror looks like. It's it's going to be, you know, it, it it it's the it's the bad guy du jour. You know, it, it, it's 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 the uh, the Islamic terrorist or not? You know, or it's Putin or it's Kim Jong Un. He's crazy enough to actually be behind your door. He he might actually knock on someone's door and, and try to shoot them <laughs> as, as they open it. Um, but no, that's why everyone hated the, the – well, not everyone, but that's why a lot of people hated the Trump ban on certain countries of Islamic leaning or oh, yeah, what the, have you because he's trying, ban, yeah. To, yeah, he's trying to say that this is what terror looks like when, of course, it could be any number of people that don't exactly look like that, but – that's where he's trying yeah. to pinpoint it, and yeah, with and all the with all the you know, the, you're never going to stop terrorism. You can't stop a crazy. The, the whole point of the terrorists is they, you know, they're winning. They, you know, that's the whole thing. Since the, the way our lives have changed since nine eleven has basically gone right into the terrorists' playbook. Because what would what are you trying to do to a country with freedom? You're trying to take away freedom. Hmm. I'll remember that when I'm getting padded down tomorrow when I'm going into the stadium. I'll, I'll think I'll think to, a little think a little bit or at the airport, you know. Yeah, I have to take your fucking shoes off before you get on an airplane. Then I'll think all about who's winning that war on terror. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not to mention that doesn't help uh, banning people of of Islamic uh, leanings or what have you. That doesn't help when somebody in your own country, born here, having never left the country, uh, decides that he needs to take a gun and shoot up a gay nightclub in Orlando. There's nothing you can do about that. Right. It's something that you, you can't stop it. There's you can't stop it. Somebody here wants to bomb a, a building, a federal building in Oklahoma. There's you can't stop you can, it. The, banning Islamics don't, doesn't yeah. help that. Doesn't stop as long as, as long as you can't stop that as long as there are U-Haul trucks and cow shit. Unfortunately, there's a ton of all of that in in America, and a lot of other <laughs> yes, there's a lot of bullshit. Thank God it's not all flammable. Uh, Washington, uh, Washington would be gone if bullshit was flammable. <laughs> uh, we really wandered off the road. That kings of non sequitur. Hey, I'll tell you what, though, we kept it civil and and yes, made sense. We, we, I, I always try to. Uh, sometimes it doesn't work out that way. But. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I was trying to see if there's any other uh, football that I had not talked about for week three. Uh, Shutdown corner guy, uh, another good week as well. Ten four and one for him. Uh, see, this is how I know that you're you guys are both doing good. So that's how I know that this is the aberration. This will not last. Uh, you quoted you quoted the coach. You said this, this too shall pass. This um, too shall pass. He had a he had no line for the Vikings game because they didn't know about Sam Bradford. Ah. Uh, so that's why he's missing a game. And so that gives me one more chance to extol the virtues of covers.com, which always gives us a line uh, pretty much 
all games. It's really rare for them to have no line for a game. But uh, they, they have the latest news. They are up to date. They make sure that they have a point spread for all these games uh, for their free handicap contest. Um, this is not a paid endorsement, although it's sounding like one. But uh, I've been with... <laughs> I've been with Covers.com for many years, for over a decade, going back to when they were known as WagerLine.com. This is before they changed names, but uh, they, they've been good to us. They always have a spread up there for us, and it's pretty accurate. It's not some, you know, some places give you a spread that's like three or four points away from what everyone else is doing because they're trying to drum up business on one side or another and trying to get attention or what have you. But uh, it's always a straightforward line and and. I, I'm a big fan of it, and uh, I'm always trying to give credit to Covers.com for always having a spread out there for when you need it. Yeah, it might not always be perfect, but at least they take care of us. We get At least we always get a number. That's right. Because all the years of just off, we, you know, we took games that were clearly oh, not pick'em games. They were that. free. Those were freebies, at least. I know, but it's it sucked. I hate those. Yeah, I mean, we... we Three or four, especially at the end of the season, three or four games where you don't know if the quarterback is starting, you're just off. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Rams off at Vikings. Oh, I think we figured it out too late that we should have just reverted to the cop-out line at least to put a little drama on it. Oh, make up our own line? No, just cop-out. Just go home team minus three. If it's off the board, we're just going to go cop-out, you know? Yeah, we could have done that, I suppose, but... That even that would have been unfair because what if the visiting team is clearly a team that needs to be yeah. favored? It's just a vastly superior opponent, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah we got to uh, watch out for Bryce in Brooklyn. We gotta, now, I don't know if they're well, – Wellness check. On, we need the wellness yeah, check. After losing to Chicago. I was about to say I don't know if the uh, lines were working well because of how silly this connection was. But then again, I called in and it worked just fine, so I guess they are working. Uh, but yeah, we we need to watch out for for Bryce in Brooklyn. Maybe next show he'll check in. But yeah, and he knew it. And the, the couple of Steelers fans I talked to, they knew it. That this is what the Steelers do sometimes. They just lose the teams they're not supposed to lose to. Well, and nobody's going undefeated. You know, if right. you start from if you start from that premise, you'll you'll be fine. The hard part is is you got to pick and choose the ones where teams are set up for failure and the Steelers had it perfectly here it was an out of conference road game you know you you, uh, you know an uncommon opponent you're not going to get up for it as much as you're going to get up for going and playing someone in your own division where you have all the familiarities you're playing someone that you don't see a lot anyways in their building and they, you know obviously when they were in the tunnel before the game they weren't game planning stopping the run <laughs> Yeah, other things on their mind. Because Cohen and Howard ripped them to shreds. And the Bears still tried to lose that game. They tried. The Bears were like, please, we don't want to win. We're the Bears. (laughs) (laughs) The the Steelers didn't have any resistance left. No. No, oh, yeah, and by yeah, ball. by over yeah, to, to, they gave up two long winning touchdown runs in that game. Right. Yeah, the the one to Cohen, which they called back, and then yeah. uh, Jordan Howard says, "Okay, fine, I'll take it in. Yeah, I'll take it the rest of the way." Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for my fantasy team because that's uh, 
That was a good start by me because he was uh, thought of as questionable, Jordan Howard. He was banged up coming into the game. And during the game, he kept uh, getting taken out. They kept having to stop the clock uh, because he would stay on the, on, the, on the field. He had a bad shoulder. Uh, so it was like two or three times they had to stop the clock uh, to peel him up off the grass and get him off the field. And he still kept coming back and uh, running over the Steelers because that's how tired the Steelers' defense was. Eesh. Well, uh, are we looking at uh, Saturday again here? I believe I'm good for Saturday at uh, 9 Central if you are. I should be fine for that. And then uh, we'll figure out next week if uh, – with your schedule and what works best for you. And I, I think I can figure out running the board here. I was about to say, uh, I don't know if you want to scroll through the options, but if you go down to the O's on the, on the board, you'll see a bunch of. Outros. Yeah, I, see, I see all the outro music here. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you want to pick any one of those to play me out and surprise us, uh, that, that'd be awesome. If you want to pick a, an outro song, I know most of them you probably never heard of, but because they're my musical taste, but if you want to pick something to, to play us out, that'd be fine by me. All right. That's it for tonight. I have no idea what's playing on the radio right now, but it sounds good. <laughs> so send us home. That's awesome. It's uh, nice to know you by Incubus. Nice to know you, everybody who listened. <laughs> He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been in much less detail the podcast. Thank you all very much for listening. And we will be back here Saturday night at 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. Eastern to pick the rest of week four in the NFL. Talk to all of you then. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.